trick or treat, motherfuckers. No, I'm 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 not cussing you out. That wasn't meant to alarm anybody. Uh, that was a direct quote from the movie I'll be reviewing for you today, Halloween Resurrection. And uh, you know, I debated whether or not to uh, to to go for the explicit rating today, but you know, it is that line is so associated with this movie. It's it's probably the one thing that that folks remember from it, especially Halloween fans, and that is. Buster Rhymes, uh, his uh, his character Freddy, in the movie uh, towards the climax, confronting Michael Myers, delivering the uh, aforementioned line and karate, uh, giving him a karate kick. And well, I I will get into it. I will get into it in due course. But uh, I felt I had to start the podcast with a with a dramatic <laughs> with a dramatic entrance because uh, today's today's topic is not one that I have been looking forward to, but it is one that I must. Do as part of my review for the Halloween series in lead up to Halloween Ends, which I mean, we are now just right upon the release of Halloween Ends. October fourteenth is right around the corner. There are more TV spots being released every day. I I don't think we're getting a new trailer at this point, which frankly I think that's fine. Uh, as I said earlier on, I don't want there to be any uh, any uh, spoilers or really kind of any kind of hint at the plot. Uh, that was one thing that Halloween Kills sort of overdid or overkilled, if you way, uh, if you will, which was sort of this uh, an abundance of, of trailers and teasers and TV spots where pretty much a lot of the movie was was shown and, and, and showcased. And now there's a lot of questions going into this movie, and I think that's important. That 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 to me as a fan uh, is exciting because we have an idea. This is the final battle between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, but I mean. In terms of the of the how, the why, uh, we certainly know the when. It's happening on Halloween, but 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 the circumstances that that's what I'm most excited for. And, and I have to just say, this is just a you know kind of off topic right now, and sort of dismissing my usual uh, open uh, opening pleasantries. But uh, you've caught me in a mood, so um, I have to say, I you know this is just sort of a me calling out a lot of the the negativity that I have seen, particularly on on Twitter and and from you know casual Halloween fans, even diehard Halloween fans who seem to be kind of forecasting doom and gloom for Halloween ends, and this idea that oh they're not doing another trailer, oh my god the movie's going to be horrible, oh my god I mean it, just stop stop okay first off we have no idea what the movie's going to be until we see it. So I, I think to me it's kind of pointless to forecast a doom and gloom situation. But like, let's just go see the movie and, and, and just enjoy the ride. Honestly, just enjoy the ride. I have loved this entire buildup to Halloween ends. And it just, it, it truly gets me hyped for the end because this is it. This is Jamie Lee Curtis's last stand as Laurie Strode. They released a nice little uh, behind-the-scenes featurette with her uh, giving some thoughts and, and, and commentary on the upcoming movie, and it was just moving. And, and, and again, as I've said from the beginning, enjoy the ride, because for now, this will be the last Halloween movie. This will be the last Halloween movie. Uh, I'm Again, I'm sure Michael Myers will be back. We know that the character uh, cannot be killed. <laughs> he never dies. Uh, there will be another Halloween movie project at some point down the line. But in terms of this storyline, in terms of what is connected to the original 1978 film, this trilogy of films, this is it. This is going to be it. So I, I, I have said from the start, and I will continue to say it, especially to the uh, 
to those who are pessimistic in the crowd, just enjoy the ride and 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 appreciate the fact that you know, wow, this has been a fantastic year for horror. We're we're capping it off with the release of Halloween Ends in just a few weeks. But I mean, just a wonderful year. It's a great year to be a fan of the genre. We we are certainly uh, we're living good. We're eating good uh, in the. Uh, in the horror arena these years, uh, this year especially, but uh, that kind of brings me to a, to a point I'll, I'll touch on later on in today's show, which is my review for Pearl. And uh, spoiler alert, I loved it. So a <laughs> uh, little little tease there. But uh, you know, let me let me back up because I you know sort of got off track at the start with today's episode. But uh, as usual, uh, welcome. My name is Phil Walsh, and you are listening to Phil at the Movies. Want to thank you as always for tuning in. This is now episode number twenty-four, twenty-four of this ongoing podcast series dedicated to you guessed it, the movies, the good, the bad, everything in between. I talk about it all on this show, and today I continue my review of the Halloween franchise with the the interesting film, shall we say? And and I use interesting. Uh, in very uh, very loose terms, uh, the quotations are are heavy here. Uh, Halloween Resurrection. That is the topic for today's review, and uh, well, I, I we'll we'll get into it in a moment. But uh, first off, if you have not done so already, please hit that subscribe button, follow along, and feel free to share this podcast uh, with your family, your friends, anyone who you think. First off, you know, enjoys the Halloween movies because I've been talking about them for so long now and will be for the next couple of weeks and probably even afterwards uh, here and there uh, following Halloween ends. But uh, in addition to that, anyone who you think might enjoy a passionate movie monologue from a film buff, uh, this may be the podcast for them. And as always, if you uh, would be so kind, feel free to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, follow me on Twitter. My personal handle is PhilCastMovies. You can also follow along for updates on this show, which is Phil at the Movies. Um, but feel free to uh, tweet at me your thoughts on this movie, uh, frankly, any movie in the Halloween series, or just, for, you know, frankly, any movie that uh, has uh, come out recently and, and caught your eye, caught your attention. PhilCastMovies, that's my personal handle, and the handle for this show is Phil at the Movies. All right, taking care of all the needed housekeeping. Uh, again, lastly, uh, just a continuous thanks to you, the listeners, for your continued support of this show, your encouraging responses and feedback. As I've said from the start, this has been a passion project, but to have the response and just the warm reception from you, the listeners, it really does mean a lot, and it just makes it all the more worthwhile. So thank you so much for tuning in each week and hearing what I have to say on movies, especially the last few weeks. Uh, I know if you're not a, maybe if you're not a, a diehard fan of the Halloween uh, franchise, uh, this may not be uh, necessarily your cup of tea, but I do hope you have enjoyed uh, maybe picking up a, an interesting fact or two about this, uh, uh, frankly, long lasting and, and frankly, uh, uh, you know, everlasting, if you will, uh, uh, horror franchise in American pop culture. So with that, let me dive into today's topic. And this is, uh, this is the review that I have, I have been looking 
forward to the least. And it, it is because Halloween Resurrection, the eighth installment in the franchise, the follow-up to the successful and revitalizing entry, Halloween H2O, Halloween 20 years later, the seventh installment. Halloween Resurrection came out in 2002. So we're talking four years now after Halloween H2O. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, Halloween H2O went through a variety of rewrites and revisions in lead-up to its its production and ultimately uh, during its uh, during its filming. The ending, of course, was a source of great controversy as it was revealed that a... <laughs> A clause in the contract stated that Michael Myers, the character, could not be killed. So that created the dilemma of what to do with the climactic finale between Michael and Laurie. And so the creative solution via Kevin Williamson, the screenwriter, again, most notably for, uh, you got his start with, uh, the, with the screenplay for Scream, uh, he was one of the writers in, in driving forces behind H2O, but he came up with the with the solution, the ingenious solution that instead of having Michael Myers be killed, Laurie Strode would instead kill an innocent bystander wearing the Michael Myers mask. But it would not be apparent to the audience or to the character of Laurie Strode. This would be revealed in a later sequel. So with the idea, of course, being that at the end of Halloween H2O, the audience, the character of Laurie Strode, would all be operating under the assumption and belief that Michael Myers had his head cleaved off by Laurie Strode in a final showdown. Well, of course, that was not the way it turned out. And and again, given the success of H2O financially, especially, it, it, it makes sense that a sequel was inevitable, just given the fact that, again, this is Halloween we're talking about. This is talking about Michael Myers. It made sense that there would be a follow-up. Now, the interesting thing here is one of the early titles for this movie was Halloween Homecoming. Again, playing on the idea of Michael Myers returning home to Haddonfield, uh, given that the previous film had taken place in California, uh, which was a unique choice, <laughs> I have to say, but, you know, putting all that aside. Uh, any event, uh, Halloween Homecoming was an original title for the movie, and ultimately the decision was made to call it Halloween Resurrection to sort of beat home the idea that Michael Myers was, in fact, alive, that this wasn't going to be another Michael Myers-less sequel a la Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So I understand that. You wanted to, to make the point, and, and frankly... This is where it gets it gets really frustrating. I mean, it, I understand the business side of it. These movies make you know they don't cost much. They make a lot of money. There's a great return profit, and and there's always you know it's a cash grab in some sense. And, and I'm not I'm not saying that Resurrection was a a cash grab, but there's definitely that 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 uh sort of a. You know, impetus uh, behind it, you know, kind of the driving force uh, to getting the movie made. Now, what I said in the previous episode about my my uh, issues with with H two O is that you know while it does a great job at 
presenting a Laurie Strode who has been living in fear and hiding for the past 20 years and, and, and then ultimately delivers for her a cathartic and, frankly, the audience release, which is the destruction of Michael Myers, the end of the boogeyman, and, and kind of the uh, overcoming of fear. If I had my you know, my way, you know, if I could, you know, be in charge of the Halloween franchise at this time, or at that time, I should say, that would have been it. That would have been it. I would have just said, you know what, we're going to end the franchise on this note. If we want to go back and maybe do a prequel or do something to fill in the gaps of where Michael was during the 20-year timeline from Halloween 2 to H2O, fine. Maybe we can find a way to retcon the other movies, you know, fine. But that ending with Laurie cutting off Michael Myers' head was the perfect finale to that storyline. And it was what the audience wanted. It's what worked best for the story and the character of Laurie Strode. What upsets me about H2O is that the fact it leads to resurrection. Because of H2O's success, because of the contracting issues... Because it's a horror movie, it's a slasher movie, we get Halloween Resurrection. And for all the good that Halloween H2O did, the eighth installment just rains on the parade. I mean, it is a torrential downpour. Uh, and that is, that's where it's very frustrating because, you know, to me, sometimes it's best to leave things alone and like end it on a high note, so to speak. And that's why I'm really to tie it back to to the upcoming Halloween ends, I, I think it's important for storylines to end. I know Michael Myers will be back in another movie. There'll be some other story, and that's fine. I think we're at a point now, especially for audiences, where we can have multiple timelines, multiple storylines, and that's and it all works. I mean, again, look at the number of, of, of actors who have played Batman over the years. We've got Keaton, we've got Kilmer, we've got Clooney, you know, we've got Bale, Affleck, we've got Pattinson now. We, all these different actors, all these different storylines. We've had multiple uh, versions of Alfred, of course, and, and Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger. I mean, again, like... It, it it works, and I think the Halloween franchise, in many ways, you know, not to necessarily you know say it's it's similar because it's not, but there are there is a kinship kind of in the way that you know Batman is ongoing. I think Halloween can be ongoing, and certainly with the idea now that we're on, you know, I guess you would call this probably the the, the fourth timeline. You've got the original, you know, one through six, and then you've got one. H2O, or 1-2-H2O, and then Resurrection, and then you've got uh, you've got the, the zombie films, and now, of course, the direct sequels uh, to Halloween 78. So, I mean, you know, the, 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 the box is, is wide open. The sky is the limit, to, you know, borrow some old cliches, and that's fine. And I think, you know, given where the storyline was after 1998, in many ways it almost made sense. It made sense for, you know, there to go, go in, you know, stories to go in other directions, to take it in a new, uh, a, a new, uh, you know, a new, uh, you know, persuasion or a new, a new uh, beat, because I think ultimately, you know, audiences understood, okay, we're ignoring the previous, you know, f- uh, Halloween 4, 5, and 6, we're going to go forward now and just connect it to, to the original tr- uh, first two movies. You know, I think people would have, you know, accepted that. Certainly today, people are very accepting of it, uh, accepting of that, and kind of that suspension of timelines and all of that. But, you know, nevertheless, 
uh, that did not happen. And, you know, why? I'm not saying that Resurrection is a bad movie. Uh, well, no, I'm going to say it, it is a bad movie. It, it, it's it fails across the board in terms of being suspenseful, in terms of being scary, uh, in terms of adhering to the storyline and kind of carrying on what was from uh, from H2O. With the exception of the first ten fifteen minutes, there is no link between H2O and Halloween Resurrection. They are they almost act. In, in opposition to one another. And, and while I will not deny that there are some interesting points established in Halloween Resurrection, the idea of reality TV and you know what's real, what's not, and how that was you know, sort of kind of popping on the scene at that time, kind of a response to the found footage horror movies, particularly with the Blair Witch Project. You know, again... There, there are there's stuff that the that 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 the writers and, and certainly the director uh, Rick Rosenthal, who fun fact directed Halloween too, uh, you know, we're trying to explore here. I think it's just again, it came at a point much like Halloween Six, where it was at the tail end of the slasher revital. Uh, uh, revitalization craze. You know, Halloween 6 was sort of the end of the Jason and the Michael and the Freddy era that had been going on throughout the 80s and into the early 90s. Scream comes out in 96, completely changes the uh, the genre, revitalizes it, reinvigorates it, and of course you get H2O in 1998. Now, of course, by 2002 the world has changed you've had columbine you know not to say that 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 you know had an impact but certainly real world events trickled down into in into cinema certainly when you're dealing with a horror movie those kind of factors are at play i mean just again if you want an interesting story and i'll probably get into it at some point down the road look at scream 3 what was originally intended what was originally written and then the final product uh, much of what happened vis-a-vis columbine and kind of just real world events impacted the creation and development of that film so it's it would be uh it would be uh you know wrong to say that real world events did not have any impact on on these movies and i think certainly given the fact that it was 4 years after Halloween H2O, you know, that, that, that certainly, you know, adds to that case. But again, this is 2002. The, the sort of the scream craze had, had worn itself out. And I think audiences were again, growing tired of the guy with the knife. You know, this is sort of before the Texas Chainsaw remake, certainly before Rob Zombie's remake. So again, we were not at that point of like full on reboot a franchise. So this was like still trying to like piece together everything, you know, and, and hold hold the ship together. And and certainly Halloween Resurrection in, in my mind at least is that kind of, you know, the ship finally going down and 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 all is is lost because it, it's not a good film. I mean, I mean it, it, it I'm trying not to be that guy because, you know, I I love these movies uh, and I'm I'm a huge fan of the series. And, you know, they're they're sort of like, you know, 
they're all special. Like they're all unique in their own way, and I, and especially when people will criticize them or 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 cut them down, I'm always like, oh no no no, look, this is good. Maybe this isn't great, but like I always find something that I can defend with these movies. Resurrection is hard. It is a very hard movie, and I think part of it because is because the the Laurie storyline, which again beautifully ended in H two O is dragged out further into this film. And, of course, it's tying up the loose ends of the you know, double, and it wasn't Michael, and Laurie killed the wrong man, and it sends her into a, into a state of, of, of fear and anxiety, and she has a breakdown, and she's institutionalized. And, like, okay, I mean, there, there's that. Now, where it goes, Michael finds her, again, somehow, and Laurie has... Been basically faking, you know, being a comatose patient. You know, she's actually functioning and, and planning for Michael's return, and somehow she's rigged a contraption uh, for him on the roof, and and she's planning to finally finish him off, and and she almost does, but she then gets paranoid that maybe she's going to kill the wrong guy again, and then, spoiler alert, right here, Michael finally kills Laurie, and you know, it's a really down moment for the movie, uh, and it's. As much as it is as it is a highlight, seeing the return of Laurie Strode, and kind of again seeing the aftermath of H two O, the fact that Laurie dies in the first ten fifteen minutes of the movie is really a, a disappointment, and it just sort of signals the direction of the movie from from there on out. Because once that prologue is established and Michael kills Laurie. That's it. There's no more mention of her character. Michael goes home to Haddonfield and he's confronted with a reality TV crew and, and cast that's gathered in his home on Halloween night to you know, basically spend a night in the birthplace of evil. And it's like, okay, that, I mean, that's, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. It's just the way it is executed in both style and again frankly story because i mean number one there is a scene in the movie about midway through where uh freddie the character played by buster rhymes who's sort of running the whole uh reality tv show called dangertainment he dresses up like michael myers and he wants to scare people again kind of you know build into the suspense of it uh, of being in michael's house and he has a face-to-face encounter with the real Michael Myers, who who's somehow made it back to Haddonfield. And it's a scene where, you know, Freddie thinks it's someone on his crew. He's like, you know, he's cursing him out, saying, what are you doing? You know, get out of here, you know, skedaddle. You know, you're not supposed to be here. Take out the mask or whatever. You know, get out, get out, get out. And Michael just looks at him and then walks away. And, you know, this is where I'm going to sound like a Halloween purist, but like, no, Michael just would not do, you know, Michael's not going to be, you know, you know, talk down to and then essentially, you know, just walk away like that. That's that's silly. That's that's stupid. And, and it's so degrading to the character. And so it's it's stuff like like that. And then you just add like, OK, you know, maybe he's been living underneath the house all these years. Like there's there's so many odd choices and frankly the characters themselves are not memorable i mean the the, the main character uh, i believe her name is sarah and and she you know she's like meant to be our final girl and she's like a psychology major but like 
you know, I don't know if they were going for, for like a Ginny Field type from Friday the 13th Part 2 with like somebody who like trying to maybe understand Michael. Like, again, that would have been an interesting way to go. Kind of, you know, to fill in the Dr. Loomis angle to have someone who's like trying to maybe understand like what makes Michael tick. But like those stories, like it's never explored. It's never exploited beyond just throwaway dialogue. And, you know, it's one of those movies where, you know, you watch it because, all right, it's it's Halloween. You're going to watch it to see how it is. But when it's over, there's no connection. You have no lasting impact. You just move on and you and you carry on with 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 your day. And it's no wonder that this was the quote unquote you know stake through the heart in the franchise because after this, of course, we we got the Rob Zombie film. And I think it shows you, you know, H two O for all of my issues, kind of you know with it in the mask and the music and just sort of. You know the lack of of of, of uh, kind of ominous nature. At the end of the day, H2O delivered on what it set out to do. Was it perfect? No, but it delivered on what it set out to do, which was the return of Michael Myers versus Laurie Strode in this epic final showdown. That was it. I mean, the whole movie was built up to Laurie cutting off his head, and that was fine. It worked. It was cathartic. It was a great way to celebrate this franchise. H uh, H2O comes out. It's a, it's a you know, huge hit. Wonderful. Then you go to Resurrection, and it's just like, okay, we're just going to forget everything that happened and just see what works. And as I said earlier, there might have been a story here with this movie. There might have been a story. It's just unfortunate Maybe it wasn't properly developed. Maybe there was something missing. I mean, why the decision was made to sort of you know take out the family storyline is beyond me. I mean, I know you know Josh Hartnett at this point was sort of you know on the rise. He was you know having his own career. You certainly weren't going to get you know weren't going to get Michelle Williams back. But I mean, it seems to me like it would have made more sense to try to figure out a way to make the storyline work you know what i mean to to kind of say okay we've cut off his head and it's not him but but he's going to come back if they could have found a more plausible solution a, a better way to make this work again not saying it had to have another laurie michael story, uh, showdown but just maybe expanded it you know again laurie's now in the mental institution i mean i could understand why jamie lee curtis would want to be done with this and not have anything to do with it you know she filled out her contractual obligations and was done with it uh it's certainly at that time but like to me it it's so jarring particularly with the beginning of the movie you have you know essentially a, a, a epilogue slash prologue for h2o and then it's like boom done now we're dealing with a reality tv show and I think it's the it's the mixing of tones and just the lack of of real vision that does this movie in. It, it doesn't know what it's trying to say. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Is it a found footage movie? Is it a meta commentary on reality TV? Is it trying to move the storyline back to the original? vision of John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, which is Michael Myers as a boogeyman. I mean, again, if they wanted to just say, okay, we're going to kill Laurie off and then take Michael in a new direction, fine. 
again, I think there, there, there would have been an audience and there would have been a, uh, an interest in seeing Michael go back to his quote-unquote roots from the 1978 movie, especially if you take out the sibling storyline. But for a movie that did not, you know, that basically cut ties with the with the family storyline, sister storyline, but is still in that con, you know, in that world, that continuity. It doesn't do. It doesn't work. Michael has no quote unquote personality. It's just sort of like, here's the scary guy, and we're going to get a bunch of nameless stock characters that we're going to, you know, put in some unique setting. And that's all this was. And it's just, it's so sad because, as I said. While I have issues with H2O, it did what it set out to to accomplish. It accomplished what it set out to do, and its ending was so perfect. I would have much rather seen something more original, something more uh, different than what we ultimately got with this movie. And you know, again, I rewatched it re- uh, recently, and I'm just sort of scratching my head because I go back to it's the tone. It is so jarring. From from what came before to where it is now, and again, it's one thing if you want to, you know, change it up, but to change it up without any kind of vision or or overarching theme, that's a problem. And there wasn't that in this movie. Now, you know, fun fact: at one point, I guess there was talk, or or at least maybe in the story stage. I'm not sure if it ever got to the script stage, but there was talk of of trying to keep everything all together and and sort of, you know, continue the storyline from H2O. Maybe Laurie's son, John, would have been the intended target. You know, who knows? But there was discussions at least, whether it got to the script stage, stage, I I don't know. But there was talk and thought of continuing this storyline and then also bringing back a bunch of the other characters from the earlier movies. So there was debate about could we try to find a way to retcon 4, 5, and 6 and put it all under the same uh, Halloween umbrella. It didn't go that way. What happened happened. But I think it is it is fair to say that because of both the financial uh, disappointment and certainly the critical disappointment from fans and critics, that the only way to go with this series after Resurrection was either to just leave Michael Myers dead and never deal with him again or reboot it. And ultimately, the latter option was what was chosen. They rebooted it. We got Rob Zombie's film. And I mean... When I step back and I look at this kind of as just a fan of the series, ultimately, you know, I enjoy the Halloween movies. I love the Michael Myers character and everything does work out because I mean, now we've had this wonderful almost trilogy of films waiting on the third movie now with Halloween ends. And, you know, it's been great. Everything kind of worked out, but when I, you know, sort of dial it all back and kind of look at it at the at the at the ground level, I say to myself, "What a missed opportunity uh, with this eighth film!" Like you, th- th- like it's set up at the end of 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 H two O to either just end it or find a way to kind of go off in other directions. And no, none of that happened. We just get this this just rotted pumpkin and i you know again i'll use the halloween metaphors it's a rotted pumpkin this movie is like a pumpkin november 2nd okay halloween is over the candle is gone 
the face is rotted off, you've got bugs in it. That's what resurrection is. I'm sorry to say it. I really can't find a redeeming quality with this movie. I really can't. I mean, seeing Jamie Lee Curtis back as Laurie Strode is always a highlight. It's wonderful. I don't like what they did with her character in this movie. I don't like that she gets killed off in a, really an unceremonial, uh, you know, kind of shove off at the very beginning of the movie. You know, she's stabbed and falls off uh, the side of a building. I mean, I think that was a horrible disgrace to the character. But I mean, pretty much her and, and just kind of the, I hate to say it, but just the laugh factor of this movie. I go back to the opening where I said, you know, again, trick-or-treat motherfuckers. Like, I mean, like right there, like this is one of those movies, it's so bad it's good. It's not Jaws the Revenge. Like Jaws the Revenge is just an an atrocity, okay? You know, I, I come at my criticism for this movie from a place of love. And so I, I say, I mean it when I say, this movie is so bad, it's good. And that's really how I feel about it. It is not a good movie. It is not a good Halloween movie. But it's one of those films where I always will say to people, if you are just a casual fan or you're getting into the series, don't skip it. Because, you know, you can see certainly the height of how great uh, the series can be. You can see it at the midpoint. And you can see it way down in the depths. I mean, like you know, there's a wide range of of of, of entries with this series. Again, it, it, we're not. It's not only a pick your own adventure, pick your own timeline a franchise, but it's sort of a you know all of the above when it comes to uh, when it comes to quality. And you know, Resurrection is one of those movies where it's just it doesn't know what it's trying to say. It doesn't know what it's trying to accomplish. There's there's probably something buried deep beneath the leaves, you know, with the ideas of, you know, meta commentary on on reality TV. It's just it's poorly executed. There's awkward moments of laughter. And and really, you know, when you look at the character of Michael Myers, and that's really what this is all about, you know, the character of, of, of the boogeyman, the shape, Michael is a joke in this movie. He's a joke. He's getting, you know, karate kicked. You know, he, you know, he's getting cussed out. Like it's, that's not how you construct. That's not how you treat the character of Michael Myers. Michael Myers should never be the, the instrument or, or, or result of a joke. The character should always be scary, should always be intimidating and should always be mysterious. So with that, let me end my, uh, my 35 minute rant on Halloween resurrection. I've done it. I actually spoke longer than I thought I would on it, but now you know what I have to say on it. Uh, check it out. If you haven't done so, if you are curious, I would probably say, you know, have a few drinks if you're going to watch it for the first time, because it, it is one of those movies that alcohol will, will only enhance, uh, your, uh, your viewing pleasure of it. But, uh, any event, there's a the, the, there there there's my two cents on on resurrection. Now let's talk about a good movie. Frankly, a, a a great film, and that is the movie Pearl. And I mean, as I said at the start, what a year for the horror genre uh, this year has been. My God, and we get the fifth Scream installment, which you know I'm a little mixed on, but we we get the fifth Scream. We've had X, which. You all know my thoughts on X, mind-blowing, extraordinary, if you will. Uh, We have The Black Phone, we have Watcher, we have Barbarian, now we have Pearl. And I have to say, this 
this is how you do a horror prequel because the movie stands on its own and i think that's important it's not it's not one of those films where yes it is helpful if you have seen x because you know it fills in a lot of the gaps but it does work as a standalone movie so and how i would pitch it to people is or say to people is if you've seen x it's going to enhance your viewing of x and when you watch it again you'll see different points and and and, and nods but if you're just watching it uh for the first time watching pearl that is say you go into it first it works fine you know not to necessarily com- compare the two but like you can watch the original star wars trilogy and it works and then watch the prequels or you can watch it in in sequence and it still works like everything kind of connects together and that's what happened with pearl i mean first off the performance my god I, I, my god she has become a horror icon and she she acts the hell out of this role. I mean, she was great in in X. I mean, d- don't get me wrong. The fact that she was both Maxine and Pearl, huh, mind blown. I-, I was still speechless when I found that out after the after the movie. She's fantastic in that movie. She she's great as the older Pearl and as the as the struggling troubled Maxine. But, oh, my God, it, it is on a whole other level in Pearl. I don't want to draw comparisons with, with, say, Joker, but I did get a lot of vibes, not in terms of story, but just in kind of that transformational performance and the idea of taking a villain, okay, and projecting sympathy and, and and kind of a, a a tortured understanding onto the audience. Again, doesn't excuse the character, doesn't make you want to be the character, but I'm saying you're able to make her more than just a villain. And kind of a, you know, tie it back to Joker, that idea of, of making him more than just the villain and kind of, you know, giving a lot more insight to the character and really putting the audience right there with the um with with the character. I mean the fact that this was 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 done as almost an homage to uh you know the kind of golden age uh, of Hollywood, you know, very much the Technicolor age of the 40s and 50s w- was a marvelous touch. X is very much in the tradition of the 70s, mid to late 70s horror films. Think Texas Chainsaw, think Halloween, you know, just sort of that kind of gritty, raw realness. Pearl is this, you know, very broad and, and just beautifully shot, creative. It, it, it's it's a technicolor wonder. I mean, I saw one review that, that I think almost sums it up perfectly. It's Psycho meets The Wizard of Oz. And, I mean, frankly, not since Norman Bates have we had such a transformational figure in the horror genre. You know, kind of really getting into the mind and and kind of beat of a psychopath. And that's what Pearl is. And and you can't take your, your eyes off of her. I mean, her Goff's performance 
in a, in a perfect world, she would be nominated for an Oscar and, and, and frankly would be in the running. Because what she did, frankly, she should get an honorary Oscar. I mean, for God's sake, it was, both in X and now with Pearl, a mesmerizing, transformational, and, and just beautifully creepy performance. I mean, it really is one of those things where I, I'm still amazed at what she was able to accomplish. And and for those of you who have seen it, I'm not going to spoil it because it is just it is just out. But there is a scene at the end of the movie that was not in the script, but it was just done on on improv. And and it kind of plays as as the end credits. Like that's an acting tour de force. And and for those of you who've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. There's of course her her chilling and twisted monologue which again is oscar worthy i mean this this is what you can do right with a a horror prequel and you know not to necessarily jump on the others that have come before because pearl is an entirely different thing it's going to be a trilogy we have maxine coming out at some point uh down the line but I will say this is how you do an origin. You know, I think of Texas Chainsaw, certainly Rob Zombie's Halloween to tie it back to Halloween. This is how you take a a villain and you give them a backstory and you make it in a way that is both frightening and yet on the same level, you know, you have insight. You can see what's going on. You can see the 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 wheels turning and and I will say this because again I loved X I thought X was was one of the year's best and and just sort of this out of the box crazy good film I thought Pearl was better and the reason I thought Pearl was better the reason I think Pearl's better the reason I've seen Pearl now twice is because of the performance there's just something about the performance in this movie. It it just goes to such a different level. And I think it's maybe the storyline at play, kind of the idea of, of dreams and lost dreams and hopes and fantasies. And again, set against this the, the backdrop of the 1918 pandemic, which I thought was another beautiful uh, touch by Ty West to kind of set it in that time frame. To give us again a totally different vibe from the seventies and 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 just the world uh, in which the characters exist, but there's just something so nice about the way it is shot. It's a beautiful film. The cinematography is incredible. I mean, X was incredible, but this is just it's on a whole other level. And I think that's the best way to describe this movie. You know, X X was was excellent, and Pearl is extraordinary. And I think that really. That really hits at home. I mean, I, I, I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to watch them all uh, in, in order because, I mean, whatever Ty West and, and, and Maya Goth are doing, keep it up because this is this is horror. This is how the genre should be progressing forward. And uh, I, I read a great uh, piece the other day by uh, Richard Newby. And uh, I, well, I'll put the link actually for his... Um, his article because it is it is a really um, it's a really good piece. I'll put it in the notes. He makes the point that Pearl and and to an extension X 
this is what the horror genre should be doing, particularly with a slasher character. This is kind of the next step, the next evolution. You know, we've had our nostalgia craze. This is where we go, go, uh, you know, going forward. And, and I mean, look no farther than the great Martin Scorsese. He has praised this movie to the roof and beyond. He called it fantastic. Couldn't take his eyes off it. Couldn't wa- couldn't stop watching it. So, I mean, Whatever Ty West is doing, keep doing it, man, because this is incredible. And and my God, my God, just a horror icon, a, a modern day horror icon, you know, right up there with with the greats. I mean, in terms of a villain, you've got Anthony Hopkins, you've got Tony Perkins, uh, you know. Now you've got you've got my God. I mean, like this is this is just acting on a whole other level. And again, it's not over the top. It's not campy. It's 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 grounded, and yet it is it, it's sort of that you know, you know movie scary. You know, what I mean, it's just there's just something about it. Uh, I I can't stop thinking about it. So highly recommend you go and check out um, Pearl. Uh, it is you know it did did fairly well at the box office last weekend. It came in number three. Uh, number three, and again, these movies are not made on a huge budget. You know, X did not cost. Uh, that much, and I think the budget for Pearl was something like four million, or no, excuse me, it was a million bucks. So I mean, it's already pulled in four million. It, you know, it, it's profitable, and it will continue to be profitable. And that's again the beauty of uh, you know of A twenty four. You know, they were the distributor. They they jump on this stuff. You know, this stuff that costs little, and you can turn a profit. And that's the beauty of horror. You can really, you know, you can really build up your uh, your return on investment with a very uh, cheap. You know, not necessarily you know cheaply made, but it be a cost-effective movie. And uh, you know, Pearl is is just one of the uh, just one of those. And and again, as I said, for a year that has been stellar for for horror, I mean, my God, just uh, I mean, just j- just keep it going. You know, what I mean, just keep it going because this this is what it's all about. Uh, I it it's been a ba- it's been a banger year, and I think it's only going to continue uh, as we get closer to uh, to Halloween ends. So. With that, I think I've I've taught your ear off enough for today. Uh, as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed today's show. I will be back next week with another episode. Episode number 25 will be next week. And we'll be finally talking about the classic, the original, 1978, John Carpenter's Halloween. So that'll be next week's show as we get one week closer to the release of Halloween Ends. Until then, everybody, take care, be well, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, go check out some movies. Don't Worry Darling opens this week, along with a few others. Great time for cinema. Go out and support your local theater. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.